Blog Talk Radio. Services and the men and women on the first responders, the doctors, the nurses, 
everybody fighting COVID-19 for us. We appreciate everything you do. Please, ladies and gentlemen, while you're out in the market, in, your, in the place, anywhere in, in the uh, open space, please wear your mask. Please wear your gloves where, need, where necessary. And wash your hands um, numerous times during the day. Uh, we hate to see anybody go. Uh, we've already lost one, one member of our team. Um, and we don't want to lose any, any of our, our great listeners. Well, Bob, um, it's uh, been another great week. Um, and we see that uh, Mr. White has uh, has done a fantastic job as, as setting up uh, both, um, um, what was it, uh, the uh, Fight Island 7, as well as uh, UFC for the rest of the week. But uh, before we get into that, uh, I understand that you have a guest. Hello? Oh. He's got the uh, uh, first, you know, sport back on during COVID, you know, trying to pick up those new fans. Uh, tonight he held a UFC uh, on Fight Island. It was the first event that's had fans in the stands. Uh, so again, he's breaking, uh, breaking boundaries, uh, picking stuff up. So, but having put that aside, yes, I have the pleasure tonight, uh, uh, a guest on, uh, a former, uh, fighter of mine, actually, um, Sahara Becerra. Um, he recently married or a year back. Um, and, and, but before that she was Sahara Reedy. I only bring that up, no disrespect to her husband, just because I used to train her whole family. Uh, Russ, Rosalba, all her brothers and sisters. I had six of them in the gym. Uh, Sahara, um, she used to fight for Seraphim MMA. Um, she was undefeated in kickboxing and MMA and had lots of gold and silver medals in, in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And I only bring up that, you know, the undefeated part, because uh, I, I put a lot more stock into the striking sports, and no disrespect to BJJ, it, it's phenomenal. Um, but once you start punching somebody in the face, again, this is a boxing, kickboxing show, so it changes things. Um, but I'd like sure. to welcome um, Sahara Becerra. Hello, how are you? Hi. Okay. All right, so... Um, for our fans, uh, you know, and, and again, it's a mostly a boxing uh, podcast, but we do talk about MMA and boxing. So, uh, being a female in the sport, you used to fight at uh, 135, right? Right? Uh, yes, I did. Okay. Um, I, I want to know, like, what first got you into, this, uh, into a striking sport? Um, so, the... Beginning, I kind of just uh, was looking around. My brother had started at first, but what really got me into it, I wasn't as confident in high school, and I kind of was just shy, um, and I kind of was just trying to look for something that would get me, like, as a hobby, and I just kind of fell in love with it when I first tried it at uh, Seraphim, and that's kind of what got me into it, just trying to find that confidence. Excellent. And then, um, but being, you know, a female and being smaller, did that did that deter you from from striking with the bigger males and stuff like that? No, I feel like uh, being a female and being smaller, I feel like, especially at Seraphim, they were so welcoming. Um, I was a little, obviously, I was a little nervous at first, but it, they made me feel so at home, and I felt very confident with how Bob taught us and 
I just felt like I felt like I was able to do anything, honestly. Anything they could do, I could do. Excellent. And so, um, so in training all the years that you did, and 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 you know, having your coach watch you grow up as a you know from like 13 to 18, then go off into the Marines, you know, kind of feel like that that second father figure. But um, you know, how how do you feel that participating in MMA has affected your life? Um, going through high school and then going off into the Marines and then and continuing your growth? Um, I feel like it's affected me because, like, I feel like anywhere I'm so, like, because of the skill set that I have and I, I what I've learned from Bob, I just feel like um, I'm confident in anything. Like, I, I know, like, if any, like, I can, for self-defense-wise, I will be able to defend myself or defend anybody that I need to. And then that's what, that was kind of like in high school. I had that mindset. If I need it, then I have that skill set. And as well as going into like the Marine Corps, um, there's times where like, especially in boot camp, where we had to box each other. And one time I was like boxing in the ring, and um, you know I was I had the upper hand on all those girls. And then later on, once I got into my job, uh, there was once everybody found out what I was doing, they kind of like you know would challenge me, and we would. We would either spar or grapple, and I always had the upper hand. I felt confident in, over everybody, and it just kind of taught me that confidence and, like, that being humble and being able to defend myself or um, spar anybody I need to because even if they challenged me, I still had I – ha- I knew the the skills I had I can, you know, do when they needed to. Awesome. Like, tear down my eyes as, as, as a coach, as a dad. All right, so – um, as an interviewer, like I heard your first kickboxing match that the uh, uh, announcer misread the judge's scorecard in a grave error, and it didn't go in your favor. How you know? How did that make you feel? Because what what happened was that the the uh, announcer read it incorrectly, and though you dominated the 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 the, the, the whole three rounds, um, they they awarded it to the other uh, opponent in uh, a crowded arena. And and that was really, I, you know, I, I was there, but a big blow. I want to hear your words about that. But then we went back and they had to correct that. So, so how, you know, walk us through that. How that feel emotionally? Um, so when they first, like, when I was up there and they were announcing it, I was like, because I had, I knew I won. Like, I, I felt like there's a feeling that I, like, I knew I dominated that fight. And so I looked over at my coaches and I was like, I have no idea what's going on. I felt devastated. So I, when I, we walked back to the back area, I was, I was in tears because I was like, there's no way I, I lost that fight. And like, I don't know what happened. And so I was just devastated because even though like it was a short, it was on short notice, I was still like, my heart was into that fight. And so I feel like, like that would just devastate me. But then, you know, when, when they came back afterwards and told me that I had won, I could, there was relief, but it was still like, I had went through all those emotions still, even though like, it was, you know, overturned, but I, I had still felt all those emotions that anybody would feel like losing a fight. Yeah, I wanted to bring that up because we talked about on the show before how it's a lot, it's very emotional, mental as well as physical. And though fighting is very physical, you know, I want a lot of our listeners to know that there's a there's a huge uh, array of emotions that that fighters go through. All right, we kind of touched base on this, um, but just to reiterate, um, so after high school, you left for the Marines. Um, how was, you know, previous training that helped the Marines? You kind of touched base on that, but please elaborate. Um, okay. okay, so um, kind of like in the Marine Corps, we do McMap training. It's like, um, like it's kind of like a com- hand-to-hand combat, and there's elements of, like, kickboxing as well in there. 
Um, but um, so it kind of it helped me because when we train, like there's different levels. And um, honestly, like within the Marine Corps and within the military, a lot of those are just males. Like all, uh, there's very few females that are out there. And so when we were doing this, like this McMap, as they call it, um, I had the upper hand because I, all the skills that I have learned from Seraphim, I was able just to keep that upper hand. I knew what I was doing. And honestly, like I'll, like I'll teach people from my shop or like my, my job in the Marine Corps. I'll, I'll help teach them because it's like, they're on a different level. Like, so like, I think it helps because like there's so few females and that it definitely helped me in McMap training. And, you know, when they would call you out, like you'd be able to defend yourself. So. Very cool. Very cool. And then, so when you're in the McMap, um, like, and, and uh, pardon my ignorance, but, uh, I think at the end of basic training, they, they, they had like all the girls compete and then all the guys compete from different platoons. Is that what it, what, what happens or what happens there? Uh, yes. Yeah, so um, at like, it's called the crucible for us. It's like the end of the uh, boot camp. We get in this ring. It's kind of like um, this dungeon, everybody's standing over and you're in like a middle ring and you have gloves and headgear on and you're ready to You just start sparring. You start boxing each other. And that's when you go like head for head within the other platoon. And um, it's just, whoever can get the most points, whoever can knock each other down. And that's, um, that's how they go off of. So I felt like I, I felt so confident in that part because I already knew what I was doing. Yeah. And, and, and you ended up, how'd you fare in the end of that? Um, so we weren't allowed to, you know, with, um, we were allowed to take each other down, but I knew at the end I still had one because like I, she was, she was hitting me and I was hitting her back and I, I uh, took her down and got her in the triangle and they told me stop because that was it because, you know, I couldn't, we couldn't do that, but I knew like that's, <laughs> that's the next move I needed to make. <laughs> to finish it. All right. So you basically beat all the girls. What happened after that? Um, after like, after boot camp? No, no. Cause I, I, I hear they're like, the, they did the uh, girls versus the girls and then the guys versus the guys. Um, was there any, did they mix, uh, the sexes at that, at that point or was it till later? Uh, that was at later. That was like more into like the fleet, like the guys will be mixed with the females. So you're going against all the guys and that's, that's kind of when that happened, not really in boot camp, but it was more of afterwards. Okay. And then, and then what happened there? Um, okay. So for that one, um, they had like new that I did MMA and they were, there was many like guys that would like try to like call me out like hey let's like I can beat you or let's go like this time let's go in the shop and so like um it was to the point where like they were bringing their whole shop as like a walkout like I was standing in the middle of the room and they would bring their their friends and they would walk out with them and this one guy in particular I had beat him before in an arm bar we were we were sparring but I had taken him down and got an arm bar and so he challenged me again and uh, he walked out with this whole shop, like, ready to go. And um, that same time I got him again, with, I took him down and got an armbar on him. And then I, I, that, after that, he joined jiu-jitsu to try to, or, you know, MMA uh, striking to try to beat me again, which didn't happen. But <laughs> All right. I just love that story, and I wanted to share it with <laughs> our fans, all right, because I've been, I've been bragging about you in the past. So, <clears throat> all right, so uh, – um, I'm, I'm so proud. All right. Um, so now you're with the military. Um, you know, you, you've done your four years with Marines. Uh, do, you, do you plan on you know, getting back in the ring or what's, what are the next steps for you? 
Um, so once I get out of the military, um, yeah, I definitely want to get back into it because, you know, I just haven't had like enough time, but afterwards I want to get, I want to start training again. And then I hope, you know, like after a while of training and getting back into it, I would love to step back into it because that, that competition is still in me. All right. I love it. Thank you so much for your time to Hera Becerra. Um, uh, thank you for joining the show. And, and again, to all of our female listeners out there and males out there, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a sport for everybody. All right. Well, thank you so much, um, for your time. You have a great day. Thank you. You too. <laughs> all right. Sorry, Sam. That's my first interview. I hope I did. All right, Frank, back at you. you did great. Great job. Great job. <laughs> I uh, just enjoy that lady. She's, you know, I, I'm as proud of her as, as her father is. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. it's amazing watching these kids grow up and 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 turn into the adults that uh, you 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 hope them to be, and then they surpass that. It's just it's just amazing, you know. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a great story, and uh, we wish her well both in the service as, as well as the uh, when she gets out and her uh, her next life. Uh, as a professional um, uh, person in, in the ring. Um, it, uh, let's see, you know, you want to talk about uh, uh, Vicente uh, Maria? Vicente Maria? Um, yeah. Or Mor- Morris tonight? You're no, talking about tonight? Uh, now you get warned about uh, using um, marijuana for uh, a fight and uh, – the U.S. ADA has come down and, and uh, yeah, they, the, the U.S. ADA just uh, turned that and decided finally that that marijuana use is okay as far as pets, uh, you know, performance enhancing drugs. Uh, you know, this kind of goes back to like the Diaz brothers, the Nate Diaz, and all that stuff. Um, you know, they would you know uh, uh, get kicked out um, of the fight for the drug tests and stuff coming up positive for marijuana. So. Right. Um, Unfortunately, you know, today's day and age, like I, I, I can't, I'm, I'm not going to say one thing or another about it, but it, it just seems like, you know, that's the way it's going and it's becoming more legal across the nation. I understand it's a pain reliever, um, but you know, so, so I think, I think um, by doing this, uh, the UFC has, has kind of gained some, some other fighters, um, and, 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 and we'll be able to keep some fights on track because some of their mm-hmm. athletes do uh, smoke marijuana. But you know, don't necessarily uh, use what I would think like the steroids or something like to that effect. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's hard for anybody to classify one drug as better or worse than anybody. Um, that's what the FDA is for. So I'm going to mm-hmm. stay neutral on that one. Um, but I think it's a, I, honestly, I do think it's a good move for the UFC um, to mm-hmm. to upturn that and let that go because. Um, yeah, fighting hurts, and and there's there's mm-hmm. no you know there's no two cents about that you know, and um, I don't want to uh, pick on anybody or say anything wrong about it. Um, at, at the same time, uh, being a coach and a dad, I don't want to promote it. You know what I mean? So right. so right. Um, that's 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 where I'm at on that one. But yeah, so that was a that was a big uh, I, I guess win for the UFC and and the FDA um, moving mm-hmm. forward on that. Um, but yeah, so that was a big upturn as well. So yeah, I, I didn't remember exactly what guy it was coming down to, but that mm-hmm. that was a big news. So, okay. I mean, Dana Dana White's made a lot of big news in this last week. Mm-hmm. You know, with the fight yeah. island thing, the fight tonight um, was epic. Anybody that didn't have 
you know, I'm new to direct TV and I don't really like it. I'm just throwing that out there. But, you know, I have ESPN plus and I couldn't, I couldn't tune into ABC on direct TV. Like I don't have regular channels and it was free on ABC. Right. So I hope everyone got to see it. Um, but tonight's card was amazing. And like I said, at the beginning of the show, Dana White was the first one to get sports back on during COVID. Um, you know, he had some things in the work. I saw an interview with him tonight about Fight Island and how that all came together. Great story. Um, you know, how he was, you know, hey, we need to get sports back on, but how do we do it safely? How how do we test? Who do we test and how often to make sure everything works out? And then Florida was the first state to jump on board. They were going to hold it there. And then that kind of got turned down, and so they're juggling back and forth. He had the uh, ESPN Annex in Las Vegas, which is his own property, um, so they can kind of regulate things there. Um, and but the thing is, people don't understand on TV that UFC Annex cage is the size of my old one. It's like a, about a 24 foot cage. Uh, the one they used tonight in Abu Dhabi, the regular UFC, is about 30 foot from end corner to corner, and that extra six feet makes a huge difference. Um, mm-hmm. So, but yeah, so they got the Abu Dhabi fight on tonight. So he broke ground there. Um, with a fight island, it worked out in Abu Dhabi. They said they had an entire isolated island that they would build for him. Um, so he's got the fight island. And um, from what I understand from all the fighters and the inside, like, I wish I could have gone to Abu Dhabi. I mean, they apparently they treat those guys so well. Um, and, and, you know, the star is born kind of thing. They treat them good. There's a lot of money in that country. Um, you know, and then plus Dana White can slip out of the legality of getting uh, uh, fighters from other countries into the U.S. So just holding it on that fight island is pretty much exclusive to them, and they're taking huge precautions with the COVID. Uh, they'll pull a, a fighter even if they're, they have a relative that comes up positive. You know what I mean? So they're, they're doing good mm-hmm. testing. So the fight island is, is, is a good idea, and they're just doing really well tonight, uh, over there. And they had a phenomenal card. Not only did Dana White – uh, be the first sport back on TV during COVID. Tonight's fight was the first, uh, I think, live event that had fans back in the stadium. Now, from what I heard, they separated them, you know, every other seat and every other row. So no one, everyone had a place to sit. So, like, they're, they're, they're doing amazing things to combat COVID and keep everyone safe, but trying to bring people back. So I think, I think that's phenomenal. Good. Welcome back, and we get uh, our friend Jesse's back with us this uh, this week. So, uh, Z, got a question hey. for you. Uh, uh, Sergey Kovalev uh, was tested uh, and found positive for uh, synthetic uh, testosterone. Uh, does that mean that his fight on the 30th is now off? Um. First, uh, uh, first, I want to say hi, and I apologize for being late. Um, as far as Kovalev goes, I, I don't know. Uh, it, it really, really depends on certain rulings. I mean, it, the fight, we, we've seen instances where people have tested positive and they still fight. Um, I don't know. It, it really it kind of depends on the money, to be honest. I think it, it depends on... How, I mean, how much money it can make, and hi, um, hello, yeah, yeah, and unfortunately, um, we've seen we we've saw instances where even fighters have gotten charged and 
have their sentence postponed so they could have a lucrative fight. So I mean, it, it, I mean, it, 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 when when it comes down to certain things, I mean, I understand that they have to uh, go through a process with uh, as far as the uh, ruling bodies and the governing bodies, the anti-doping bodies, um, agencies. Uh, but to be honest, I, I mean, I, I, this is boxing, and I don't have when when there's large money on the line, I don't have too much faith in that being stopped. Should I say? Um, with that said, I don't know if Kovalev at this moment. Kovalev is older. Um, he's fighting. I forgot. I looked it up and I forgot the guy's name. But he's not a, a heavily noted guy. He, I mean, pretty good, but he's not a a, a, well, a renowned name. So I mean, as far as that goes, yeah, I could see them stopping the fight. I could see them, you know, not having this fight. But at the same time, it, it, it depends. Hey, I'm sorry. Hey, this is Jesse Rickian. Can I ask a question real quick? Hey, go ahead, Jesse. Um, I um, there there was um a Darnell Boone interview where Darnell Boone says that he knocked down Kovalev four times and it just was not recorded. Is that true? I guess the guy who would answer that question would be Bernard. We're we're joined by a uh, author. Uh, Sports writer, uh, actually a member of the uh, Boxing Hall of Fame, as well as the at one time was the president, currently the past president of the uh, National Sports Writers Association. Uh, he's got a great book on uh, Amazon. We've said that many, many times, and you have to read it. It's just uh, it's fabulous. Uh, Bernard Fernandez. Uh, Bernard, can you answer that question? Um, I did. I didn't hear the whole thing. Ahead, hey, 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 how you doing, sir? My name is Jesse. Um, okay. I'm a I'm a huge boxing fan. So, uh, uh, there's a Darnell Boone interview where he says he knocked down Kovalev four times, but only got recorded as one. Main events never put out the video. Is there any truth behind that statement? Um. I didn't see that fight. I do know that you know one was official. Um, I did not see the uh, you know the the tape of that fight, um, so I, I don't know the definitive answer to that. But I'll, I'll watch it now. You know. Uh, um, no, that's the thing. It's not on YouTube. Oh, it's not on YouTube. Well, then I'm not I'm not sure. Then you know, I mean. Uh, so it's like it's like a like a two thing conspiracy theory. Like Darnell Boone fans saying, "Oh, he did knock him down," but the main event fans like that never happened. But the main question is, why could we not find it on YouTube? You know, um, because they don't have everything on YouTube. Um, they got a lot of stuff, but they don't have everything. Um, I know that there are occasionally some fights that I've tried to find. You know. Um, on YouTube, and uh, if if for no other reason, just you know, if I haven't seen it in a long time, I want to see it again. And 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 usually, I can find just about everything I look for. But um, there's there's stuff that is just lost to history. And, and a Kovalev fight shouldn't be one of them because he's still active. Um, right. But if it's not on YouTube, maybe you know, uh, perhaps a you know whoever. Uh, 
might have had a copy of it, didn't you know, didn't post it or or, or whatever. There, there's any number of reasons for that, but um, I could see it happening. I mean, you know, Kovalev, like everybody else, you know, is uh, is human and and could be hurt and could could be dropped, you know. But uh, and same thing with officials, you know. Uh, um, I've seen more than a few cases where. Uh, a referee ruled something a slip, and 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 to people at ringside or you know in the audience or on TV or whatever that thought otherwise, you know that that was a legitimate knockdown, or or my, the other way around, you know. And and um, um, my oh, favorite my, my favorite call out of all time was when um Paulie Manaji on his first match against Juan Diaz, which was like. An obvious seven to five fight on Paulie's side, and um, Paulie just kind of took the smart route, like when he was like a one eighteen to ten one ten scorecard should not be on his card, and he said it live on the air, and that that granted him the rematch, and that's when he beat Juan Diaz. Do you think more boxers should be outspoken like that, or sometimes you just have to play the game? Well, if that question makes any sense, yeah. No, 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 no. Outspokenness can be a virtue, and it could also uh, prove detrimental. I mean, Paulie, I thought, did a great job as a boxing commentator. A lot of us Mm -hmm. would like to see him doing that now um but he said some things that were considered uh someone considered intemperate or you know um not in keeping with um with what the message that they they want to send out and so uh he's not on showtime anymore you know and um uh i don't necessarily agree with that but you know there there you have it and uh in today's world, and you know it, whether it's in politics or boxing or whatever, you know that um, um, you you could be censored. You know your your viewpoints or your viewpoints. I mean, if you're the world champion or something, you're going to say it, and 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 people are going to record it. They're going to write it, whatever. You know, but uh, you know, there's a price to pay sometimes. Now. You know that uh, if if you're if you're too brutally honest, um, I'm, and we mentioned Paulie Malinowski. I think Teddy Atlas. You know, one of the reasons why he's not on 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 ESPN right now is probably because he's a little too brutally honest uh, for his own good. You know, or has been. Um, well, I I I I think Teddy's scorecards are a little out of hand. <laughs> like, you know, it's like. I like I don't know what 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 absolutely I mean (laughs) you know what was the last time Adelaide Bird had a scorecard that everybody agreed with? (laughs) No, but um, I mean I think uh, like a great one would be Harold Letterman was a pretty accurate one, but but Teddy be scoring in like ten seven rounds is like what did you get ten seven out of that? Like I don't know, like in if you don't mind. yeah, I'm good, sorry. Good. If you if you don't mind me chiming in, um, I think with Teddy, Teddy, everybody has their opinions, and the guy, I mean, 
people see things different. I, I, I have to respect, you know, that within everybody, you know, what, what you know people see is different. But with Teddy, I think it's the way he came across that that really kind of got him out of the uh, out of the limelight to a certain extent. Uh, Teddy, he, he yeah. is he's a he's going to tell you straightforward. He's a guy who's not going to pull a punch, but he's really passionate. And if he feels a certain well, way, he'll uh, he's get amped up and let you know. He's biased also. Well, well, I mean, and and as I say, I can't, I don't really want to speak to the, to that, but to the bias fact, because that, that really, to me, is a matter of his opinion. He could feel that way, but I think to a certain extent that uh, the Jeff Warren Pacquiao fight uh, kind of, he went over the top with that. To a certain extent. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, like, oh my God, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, there was, there was another fight that he did that he was, um, I forgot the night. The, I want to say the the guy's name was Uganka. And uh, um, oh, and by the way, what if I'm I'm sorry I'm taking up too much time. I just I want to ask this question. People don't realize this too, like in football. Like one second left, that's it. You're done. I remember this fight on ESPN Friday Night Fights. And I'm like, oh my god! Only on boxing can this happen. Where the timekeeper forgot to keep the time, and they fought for like two extra minutes. Do you guys remember this fight? Yeah. Like, why I, I is something like this? Like a, why? Okay, why is something like this allowed? That that's like giving two minutes in in basketball. Like, it should not be allowed at all. You know. You know, it's not not just extra minutes. Uh, I'm sure you guys remember that one of the in one Ring Magazine Fight of the Year uh, from the 1970s. I'm trying to think exactly what year in 1970, but uh, George Foreman and Ron Lyle. You know that oh. knockdown fight where they were knocking each other down, like you know, bouncing each other off the canvas like basketballs. <laughs> one of the rounds was you know was was two minutes. You know, somehow or another, you know, that they, they lopped off the third minute of that particular round. And but how does that happen, they, though? You know? it, it shouldn't. And we're not talking about, you know, some, some professional bout out in the sticks or anything. We're talking about Las Vegas, the first bout that was held in mm-hmm. the Caesars Palace Sports Pavilion. George Foreman... You know, uh, coming back in his first that, that almost that that I'm oh, sorry after to cut Ali you and and fight and, and Ron Lyle mm-hmm. and 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 they had a round that was a minute short and you know, um, but that reminds me like a if, it, if you're a wrestling yeah. fan, that's like the WWE screw job cut the, <laughs> you know like <laughs> it just reminds me of that. Well, well, to, to, to be on to be honest, um. If they if they had machines keeping keeping time, that that'd be a little different. It, it'd be a little more set. But you're working with the human aspect, and just like with the referees, they, you know everybody's gonna you know eventually make a mistake if they do things enough times. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hey, uh, and what, yeah, what you mentioned, we've been talking about Teddy Atlas. I want to say one thing. Probably the one uh, the one area that probably cost. Teddy the most personally 
was when he lost his gig with NBC to do Olympic boxing. Uh, Teddy had done four Olympics, and uh, he was in London, and he was doing uh, the fourth of those four uh, Olympics, and he was seeing decisions, you know, or there was one bout where um, uh, one fighter got knocked down seven times, and his score kept going up. And Teddy was like going, he was apoplectic. How could this possibly happen that that these people, meaning Aiba, you know, the, the lords of Olympic-style boxing, they they could allow this sort of incompetence and or corruption happening right before the eyes of millions of people. And, uh, and you know, the... The head of of, uh, of Aiba then was Dr. Wu from um, uh, Chinese Taipei, and he wanted uh, NBC to send Teddy back home, you know, because he didn't like what he was saying on television. And um, and Teddy said, well, you know, and uh, Teddy uh, talked to uh, the people with NBC, and he said, you know, um, um, I'll stay, I'll, you know, for the you know for the rest of the medal rounds. But you have to promise me, you know, that that uh, you're going to put bring some pressure to bear on Aiba to try to clean up their act, because um, NBC uh, was paying, you know, literally billions of dollars, you know, for for their Olympic package, and he was assured that yes, it's going to happen. And then um, after the Olympics were over, uh, he got a call from someone at NBC that said, you know, they're they're not going to do it, you know, because they don't want to. You know, rock the boat, and um, uh, I, I'm 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 one of those people that's 100% on board with him. That, you know, one of the reasons why Olympic boxing is no longer what it was, and why gold medalists are no longer what they they were in terms of of being stars coming to Olympics, because Olympic boxing is not on on uh, on main NBC. It's been shuttled off to secondary outlets. Um, and the reason for that is because of all the controversy. You know, there's there's not going to be uh, for this upcoming uh, Olympics. You know, it's it's it it it's been basically excised. It 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 may come back and everything, but they've been promising reforms in that for for decades, and and it and it doesn't happen. Everybody remembers what happened with Roy Jones and and uh, and Seoul. Uh-huh. You know, and 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 uh, so. Um, I, I, Teddy and I have something in common. We are we're kind of persona non grata, you know, with uh, with uh, amateur boxing, you know, and and um, uh, the Olympics are the worst, you know. But I've seen some stuff that that uh, could curl your hair, you know, even at the U.S. Olympic trials, you know, and um, you know it's 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 a shame because that's a, a major feeding system for for professional boxing, but. Um, uh, you talk about you know somebody who has paid a price for being honest, you know. Uh, Teddy was not going to you know dance to that tune, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I I commend um, commentators, you know, who they see the truth or as they you know as they believe it to be, and say it. But you know sometimes people just like go for the shock effect you know but Teddy's not one of those guys and and Paulie isn't either i i well, I, miss... I, I think i think a lot of them are, i i don't hold i don't think that's 
hundred percent true. Um, uh, like um, Max Kellerman has been one time to to say, oh, you you've seen a robbery here. Uh, um, I th- I think a lot of commentators have held their ground. Mm-hmm. Um, Emmanuel Stewart with Joshua Cloudy versus. Miguel Cotto, which I think Miguel Cotto won, but Claudio said that he thinks that Claudio won that fight. I think I think that's not that's not 100 percent true. I think I think a lot of um, commentators stand the ground. Well, you know, it, yeah, you know, once once again, sometimes it's, it's uh, in addition to what you say, it's also how you say it. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, Max Kellerman's on on television on ESPN almost every day with Stephen A. Smith, not just talking about boxing, but about but other sports. And um, uh, one of the reasons why uh, he's got a new he's got a new show, um, uh, and he's getting a lot of money from from ESPN. Um, not everybody buys into you know Stephen A. S- uh, Smith's shtick. You know he, he is like. He's like a, a updated version of Howard Cosell. Um, there are a lot of people that just can't stand him. There's some people, a lot of people, I guess, that like him or something. But whatever, they're listening to him, you know. And and um, uh, that that's there are people that that are controversial because they want to be controversial, you know. And and if everybody's saying A B C, they're going to say X Y Z, you know. And and uh, you have to know the person. You know, I mean, uh, there are some people when they are confrontational like that with guests or or, or whatever. Um, that's because they want to be. That's how you know. That's how they make their reputation. Um, Teddy is Teddy. Well, we were talking about Teddy. Teddy Alice is a guy that when he says that this is what he thinks, that's what he really thinks. You know, whether whether his bosses like it or not, and or whether it, it hurts him. Or not? Um, no, I understand that, but but I think when you and I'm 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 sorry if I'm being argumentative. Yeah, uh, yeah Jesse, we're going to have to move on. We've got a whole whole. Uh, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, sorry. Okay. But, but and me I, too. <laughs> I, you know, uh, this this is the thing. I you know sometimes uh, you know when you're on the radio or television or whatever, and 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 I'm being a guest, you know, here, and I've, I've been a guest before. Um, you can get passionate about something, and you go on a little long, so I apologize. No problem, no problem. We appreciate everything you do for us each and every time we have you on. Uh, one question that, that keeps coming up is, is there ever going to be a Terrence uh, Crawford uh, uh, Earl's Spence uh, uh, fight made? Bernard? That is... A fight that I think not only that I would like to see, I think that's a fight that everyone would like to see. And then we hear the same excuses, uh, you know, um, Bob Arum, you know, can't get along, you know, with the the, the other side, or you know, I mean, it's it's it, it's the same it's the same dialogue or lack of a dialogue. That we've seen for you know for forever. I mean, at one point it was King and 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 Bob Arum. Then it was uh, 
uh, Aram with uh, you know Golden Boy um, after after Oscar left, um, and Richard Schaefer was uh, you know the 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 sticking point. Um, you know, you keep hearing it, and it's not going to happen, and so on and so forth, and or these 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 feuds, you know, television contracts, and if these two fighters want, really wanted to do it, and they have enough clout, they go to their people and just say, this is the guy I want to fight, make it happen. None of this, well, I fight whoever my, you know, my promoter uh, wants me to fight or something like that. These guys have more power than, than, than they realize sometimes, you know. I think if Terrence Crawford, you know, and and um, Errol Spence just basically said, "This is the fight we want. This is what the people want. Make it happen." Somehow it would happen, you know. But mm-hmm. either either one or both sides are are not uh, taking the stand. I mean, we've 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 seen that in the past. You know, when Ray Leonard wanted a fight to happen. He could make it happen, and for, regardless of who he was with, uh, you know, in terms of his promotion or his, uh, uh, you know, his managerial situation or television contracts or whatever. You know, use your clout. You know, this is the fight that people want to see. Stop, stop fooling around. You know, just, just, just say, this is what I want. You know, I'm going to hold my breath until I turn blue, and you know, unless you make it happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to piggyback off of Bernard's point, <clears throat> when Ali was coming out of retirement, Joe Frazier essentially made that fight happen. They wanted to fight each other, but Joe Frazier really pushed for that fight. Um, and, and fighters, they do, they, they do, they do have that clout, but right now it's all about dollars. And mm-hmm. when I'm reading that Earl Spence said that you know, Terrence Crawford. If we fight, it's going to be you know he gets a, it's going to be split seventy thirty. I mean, that's that's telling me that these guys aren't really interested in. They're they're more. I'm not saying they're scared of each other or anything. It's they're just looking purely at the business aspect. At you know, trying to milk it for as much as it's worth. To a certain degree, is the hurt game. So I guess you know I understand that. To the uh, to the next degree, this is the entertainment business, and what what's happening is you're limiting the entertainment in boxing. Mm-hmm. The UFC came back from COVID, came back like from all the shutdowns and everything. They still shut down, but they came back with uh, being vengeance, vengeance, and a mean vengeance. And it seemed like boxing is going. Steadily backwards to to a certain degree. I mean, boxing came out; they've had a few good matchups, and you're still getting good matchups. But you're not like I, I have to, you know, to a certain degree, commend Canelo. Canelo's a guy who's seeking out, you know, certain competition, seeking out good competition, um, and he's making that happen. He, he's making those fights happen um, for his weight. For his weight, then you know, I mean, you could say he's this weight, that weight, but for his weight, he's fighting very credible opponents. Mm-hmm. This is getting okay. 
tiresome. It's getting tiresome. Just just because I mean the last person that Spence could fight right now is about is Pacquiao and Thurman. As far as the state, as far as that stable is concerned, and right now Crawford is looking for a quality opponent. Simple, because Bob Arum doesn't; he's not heavy on quality welterweights. Mm-hmm. I think one of the reasons why these guys are are not using the power that they have and say, "I want this fight, make make it happen," is because of COVID. I mean, the fact of the matter is, yeah. um, you know, uh, you, you can turn on NFL playoff games, you know, today. And you've got, you know, either nobody in the stands or, or you know, like uh, 10% capacity, 15% capacity, whatever. Um, I find it difficult to imagine that, that uh, Joshua and, um, and Tyson Fury are going to fight because they want to, you know, they want the fight to happen in Wembley Stadium in front of 90,000 people. Um mm-hmm. And as, as long as you have a situation now where, you know, theoretically you can make a fight, and you know, and and you have eliminated um, to a certain extent uh, uh, interest in it because, you know, it's going to be held in a TV studio or in a in an empty arena or whatever. Um, that's not what the fighters want. And plus, look, you're talking about dollars too. Um, a fight that might be worth X number of dollars under normal circumstances, um, it's not going to—it's not going to be the same thing, you know. Given the current economics, you know, um, uh, no live gate, um, you know, no excitement uh, emanating from the stands with with full house and, and and so on and so forth. So I think that that is a factor. It's not the only factor, but it is a factor that's basically precluding some of these fights from actually being being moved because people want to believe uh the promoters want to believe the tv entities want to believe the fighters themselves want to believe you know, if i just wait a little bit we'll get, we'll be past this and then things will get back to normal and and you know uh the dollars involved will be significantly higher which which probably is the case um the main, the fact that they were able to put together uh, Tyson, excuse me, um, uh, Tiafimo Lopez and, and, and uh, Vasily Lomachenko. Right. That was huge. But there's, you know, there's there's a lot of fighters that don't want to say, okay, this is a fight that people wanted uh, to see, so let's make it. But it'll be at a discount. They 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 don't want to discount themselves. I mean, uh, I, I can understand that. Mm-hmm. All right. I bet uh, you, you've got uh, on the. Um, March 20th, uh, Arthur Bedevad uh, versus uh, Adam Dank- Davies. D- mm, can't get that name out. Uh, do you think that'll happen? See. Well, until I would say until until you know contracts are signed, you know. But even now, if contracts are signed, you know, there's always like some sort of way, you know, that that. That a fight that's supposed to happen, is scheduled to happen, is signed to happen, uh, can cannot happen because, uh, let's face it, you know, all you have to do is say, you know, I tweak something in training, you know, and 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 it can be off. It could that that's a very legitimate excuse more often than not, but um, mm-hmm. we'll 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 see. You know, there's there's a lot of stuff that I want to see happen, um, but isn't happening. And it's very frustrating, um, 
uh, one of my one of my sons, one of my adult sons, uh, tested positive for for COVID. You know, and uh, so I, I figured at some point, um, if you know enough people, and as long as this thing is lasting, you know, this scourge is going to touch about everybody at some point or another. You know, and 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 it has. And so we're all kind of waiting for it to play out, and then uh, they had this thing about there's a new strain, and it's going to, uh, uh, you know, kick in, and, and you know, uh, you've got the, the whole vaccination program versus, you know, a new strain that's developing. And so who knows? Um, you mentioned about that uh, international hall of fame for me. Well, it was supposed to have the, the uh, uh, induction festivities, and, you know, not just for me, but for, um, a lot of people um, uh, who were going in, Bernard Hopkins, uh, in 2020, and it got postponed to 2021. That's supposed to be June of 2021 with a whole new group of uh, Hall of Fame inductees. And who's to say whether that could happen in, in, in 2021? So you can only post, postpone things or put them off for so long. Right. At, at, which, at whatever point they, they start to lose relevance, you know. Um, in boxing, particularly, you know, um, uh, a fight that is hot now—if um, you put it off a year, two years—you know, uh, uh, look, look what happened with with uh, Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao. That was a fight that should have happened five years earlier. I mean, it finally did happen, and it broke records, and, and which was great. But it didn't happen when you got the best of Floyd Mayweather and the best of, of Manny Pacquiao. And I, I just don't want to see uh, uh, Joshua and Fury or Errol Spence and, and, and Bud Crawford, you know, put on a back burner to a point where they start to lose some relevance because, you know, it, it doesn't happen when it's supposed to happen or should happen. Mm-hmm. Zeke, I got a question for you. Uh, Carl Frampton's going to um, go to bat with uh, Jamal uh, Herring on uh, February 27th. What's your thoughts on that fight? Um, Carl Frampton, he 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 he's he's a little longer than two right now, um, and he's fighting a little heavier than his his best weight to me. Mm-hmm. The guy's good. I mean, he's 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 good. I mean, he 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 was to me he was one of the better you know all around boxers. Pretty tough guy, quick-handed, uh, leaky defensively at times because he was sometimes overly aggressive. But I mean, the guy could fight. He's just been through so much. I mean, Carl Frampton, he's a scra- and when you're a scrapper, a scrappy guy like that, you tend to take a, quite a bit of damage and keep going through it. That takes a toll on you, and. And guys can only fight at a, level of, at a high level of competition for only so long. And I think Carl Frampton, he's, he's done the top level of competition. So, I mean, mm-hmm. we'll see. Okay, Bernard? Yeah, Carl Frampton, um, for those who have forgotten, uh, was the Boxing Writers Association of America Fighter of the Year for 2016. And um, uh, I believe he was the first fighter from the United Kingdom 
you know, to, to get that distinction. And um, uh, you can say, well, 2016 wasn't that long ago for most of us, you know, that have a, a particular job or, or whatever. Um, four or five years, you know, after the fact for, for a fighter, you know, that's a window in which a lot of your greatness can erode. Um, it's a tough sport, you know, and it, 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 it takes a lot out of you. I mean, the people like uh, George Foreman and Archie Moore and, and Bernard Hopkins that last long in it and are able to still be excellent uh, for a long period of time, um, that's rare. Um, mm-hmm. Manny Pacquiao is to have done what he's done at the age that he is. Um, that's that that's that's rare. Um, I agree with. You. I mean, Carl Carl Frampton was an excellent fighter. Um, still is a very good fighter, but I'm not sure that we'll ever see the absolute best of Carl Frampton again. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, Bob. Um, you want to talk about uh, um, Fight Island 7? Um, tonight, yeah. So the the fight we had tonight was, was epic. Um, if, if, if anybody got a chance to tune in, uh, Dana White, again, put some uh, phenomenal fights together. Um, the the it, was, it was held on Fight Island. Again, we talked about that earlier in the show. Um, if, if, if you didn't get to see this, like going back to the preliminary card, I want to, uh, there was a couple of uh, good intro fights that, that were really hard to judge with the decisions. I want to throw out a, a, a shout out to the heavyweights, Carlos Felipe and Justin Tapa. They, they got in there. Um, you know, these boys are 265. They got a gut. They were banging it out. Hawaiian style. This looked like two Hawaiian warriors, uh, like a boxing match. It was, it was started as a kickboxing match and then they just went head to head. We're banging each other out. Um, and then some other, you know, uh, noteworthy stuff tonight. Jacqueline Buckley, we've been talking about him lately. He's one of the new up-and-coming knockout artists. Uh, you know, he got that spinning uh, flying kick or reverse kick to the head a couple months back, um, then knocked out another guy. They put him up against Alessio Di Chirco. Z, did you see this fight? Uh, because no, it was no. Oh, you got to watch it. So Jacqueline Buckley – ducked down as Alessio threw a, a kick, I think a mid kick, but it hit him right in the temple. And, and these are the, these are the moments where I'm missing, you know, Dr. Chris. I mean, I miss him all the time, but, you know, talking about the difference of a punch to the head versus taking a foot to the head versus taking a shin to the temple. And he just knocked out Jacqueen Buckley, you know, um, then you move forward, um, you know, the, the, the uh, co-main event with Carlos Condit versus Matt Brown. Um, Con- oh. that, that was a war went three fives. Um, Matt Brown put on an amazing show, but lost the decision in the end to Carlos Condit, who is up, you know, is ready to continue. And then, then the main event, featherweight match between Max Holloway and Kevin, or uh, Calvin Cater. Um, Cater's coming in tough as, as tough as nails. Max Holloway is coming off a break. Now the thing about Max Holloway, like he got into the UFC at 19. The guy's been around and has already been a UFC uh, uh, featherweight champ, and now he's back down the ranks. Um, and and uh, you know, but he's only 29, and he made a comeback tonight. Um, and it was a Max Holloway we've never seen. And at 29 years old, this guy will be running. Like he put a clinic on Calvin Kincaider. Um, clinic, and it was it was hard to watch after the third round. 
but mm. the heart of Calvin Cater to stand in there and go to the end and, 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 and take the decision. Like, I, I didn't think he was going to make it out of the third round. But, Matt, I mean, talk about – I mean, we just started Dana White. You know, we took some time off over the holidays. Uh, it pops off as the first fight of 2021, and it was epic. Literally, Max Holloway, Calvin Cater could be fight of the year, definitely fight of, la- fight of last year, but they'll be in contention, the first fight of this year uh, for fight of the year. I mean, it was phenomenal. So, next event's coming up. I mean, Dana White, again, coming back after the layoff. He's got – he had one today. It, it popped off at 9 in the morning for prelims. Uh, 12 o'clock was the main, uh, main card. He's got one on Wednesday night. And then he's got UFC 257 bringing back Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier too, which again would be a, 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 an amazing, amazing mm. fight. Um, Dana White, uh, throwing that out there, just met with uh, Khabib last night, read some articles on that. Um, they finally met. Um, Khabib said, you know, he, he doesn't know, you know, he, he don't want to hold up the, 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 um, the title. Um, so, but he will, will be watching next weekend. Um, if Dustin Poirier or Conor McGregor put on a good enough show um, and with a co-main event between uh, Dan Hooker and Michael Chandler, if any of those make a good showing, Khabib says he'll come back out of retirement and fight one of those guys. Other than that, he'll give up his title uh, so those guys can move forward. And then there's a little bit of talk of maybe him going against uh, um, uh, GSP in the future. But other than that, um, you know, Khabib's still taught. I mean, the, 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 the show he put on against uh, Justin Gagey back in 2020, um, Khabib is an all-time high as well. So uh, a lot of things coming up. Um, you know, this week is just packed full of fights for the UFC. Um, three in one week coming back. And then, you know, they pick up back in February. Um, he's already putting together some matches for uh, March. Uh, which, you know, just, I mean, again, he's just coming back with the best lineups, the best matches, retiring some of the older guys and putting the best people forward. He's got so many people in the, in the shoots ready to come up and ready. So I'm excited for UFC fans. Good. Bernard, there's a, one other question I wanted to ask you. Eddie Hearn's pushing for uh, Alexander uh, uh, versus uh, Joe Joyce for the uh, interim WBO heavyweight title. Do you think that that would ever happen? Do you think that fight could, will happen? Um, I, I think Eddie Hearns, or Hearn, uh, to a certain extent, is a guy that if you want something to happen, uh, it generally does happen. Um, I didn't think Joe Joyce was going to win the last time out. Um, and, and he wasn't. He was, you know, he, he looked like he was going to lose, and he hit, you know, gets a knockout with a jab. Um, he's one of those guys, I think, you know, that you look at him and you say, well, he's kind of ponderous. He's a little bit slow. Um, he's not really that impressive until, you know, the other guy is like down and out, you know, and, and, um, I would, I, you know, that's that's another fight I'd like to see, and you know, I'd like to like to think that it can happen. I'd like to think that it can happen during this uh, this time when a lot of stuff isn't isn't happening. Um, I hope so. I hope it does. I hope it can happen. I hope it does happen. And um, um, with little 
I know in terms of, of personal uh, contact and, and uh, with, with Eddie Hearn, I, I have interviewed him. Um, I don't know him like I know Aram or, or, or uh, New King, um, but I think he's a guy that can make things happen. You know, in his own in his own um, sphere, he is he's a go-getter. Uh, I hope he does make the fight. I think it'd be interesting. You know, and um, so we'll see. Okay. And our last one on here uh, is uh, uh, Z Dylan White versus uh, Pavetkin, Alex Pavetkin. Uh, March 6th. What's your thoughts? Um, my thoughts are that Dylan White should, he should do what he was on his way to do doing in the first fight before he got caught. Exactly. Amazing uppercut. Um, the problem is that that uppercut, I mean, it, 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 could, it came because it came from a seasoned guy. A guy who's been around the block and back. Pavetkin, mm-hmm. um, I mean, he, he's he's older. He's not as explosive as he was before. He can't get to his mark like he used to. But the guy knows. You know, he he he's he's smart. He's a smart guy. And when he hit Dylan with the shot, you could almost see him like if Dylan sticks his arm out, or if he if he gives me if he gives me that I have the punch together. And it's not like he really set it up. It, it, it was it was similar to uh, Santa Cruz and, and Davis. How that? It, it was more or less. You know, the guy. He just if he extends his arm, that's that's my opening. And Dylan White is always in danger. You know, with preventing him from that. I just don't think that Pavetkin's gonna uh, be able to last. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Bernard. You know, one one of the great things about about boxing um, that's different from other sports is uh, if you're watching a championship uh, basketball game or football game, and it's the last minute or the last uh, couple minutes, and one team's ahead by you know 25 points. Um, they're going to win, you know. Uh, uh, you can't you can't throw a, a five, you know, a touchdown pass in the last minute. Um, Tank, Tank, Tank Davis against uh, Santa Cruz and Pavetkin uh, against White um, with that knockout. You know, one one shot. I mean, it wasn't a, it wasn't in the last round or anything, but. Um, it, it it reminded people of the thing that sets boxing apart, and I guess any combat sport, because you know you were just talking about UFC. Um, well, that's not that's not necessarily true. Because first, it was proved that you could tank the game on purpose. Yeah, but you know the thing the thing is is that those were two uh, incredible uh, you know, not knockouts, and 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 you know when you're doing the end of the year thing. Which Ring Magazine does, which ESPN does, you know, a lot of boxing magazines and websites do. Uh, it's kind of hard. To I'm sorry, not not the Steelers, the Eagles. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, differentiating for uh, for uh, for a knockout of the year. I mean, you know, do you go Pavetkin or you go Tank Davis? Ha- has to be, you know, one of those two, I would think. You know, because they were so sudden and they were so emphatic. You know that that um, you know. They kind of like 
embellished into your 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 memory. You know, you years from now we'll still be thinking about about how those fights ended. Wasn't Fury tw- um twenty twenty? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that that's true, but that I, wasn't exactly a one punch shot. I mean, that you know, it was it was. That, you know, it, it was a lead up. That was a not, that was a knockout that I never expected to happen. Yeah, yeah, that's true, and that is why I guess uh, uh, Tyson Fury. I, I was a little surprised with that. I wasn't surprised that he won. I was surprised that he did exactly what he said he was going to do. <laughs> that that oh. bugged me out too. I'm yeah, sorry. He yeah. told us all, you know, that he was going to go for a knockout and he was going to knock him out early, and and and. Um, a lot of people said, "Yeah, okay, well, we've we've, we've heard that before." Um, my my impression of, of Tyson Fury was that he was a really big guy, um, who was a pretty good boxer, was not the big bopper in that in that matchup, you know. And 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 he said it, and Aram said he was going to do it, and he went out and did it, you know. So, uh, do you think um, he's he's top five heavyweights of all time? Top, well. You need a little bit more of a body of work, you know, to. to yeah. Um, okay, let's see. When Can you be Klitschko? Well, yeah, but let's let's be honest. His fight with Klitschko was not exactly what you would call barn burner. Um, he did beat Klitschko, and you got to give him credit for that. But that was not exactly. Um, Prime Klitschko. You know, I did. That was. Honestly, kind of, you know, it was a victory, and it was over a guy who was, you know, the undisputed uh, top top heavyweight boxer in the world at that point. But it was not exactly a thrilling fight. I mean, his, uh, his two fights with uh, with Wilder uh, in different ways were were very exciting, and it it put him right now. He, I think he has to be considered the top heavyweight in the world. Given the fact that AJ, you know, uh, um, had that loss to Andy Ruiz, you know, came back and, and um, reclaimed the title, but um, probably not his best effort either. I think he, I think Tyson Fury, we have to see more of him over a longer period of time, you know, before we start talking uh, and placing him in any all-time ranks, you know. Um, and I feel like Ruiz let that that victory get to his head. If you don't mind me chiming in real quick, when you talk about um, all-time greats, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of want to separate it in two categories to this. I mean, you have to put body of work in and achievements and level of competition. You have to put all of that in. But then I think you kind of need to separate it and say, if these two guys matched up, who would win? And I'm like I'm really having trouble seeing a guy like Marciano who has a totally, totally better resume than Tyson Fury. Seeing him beat Tyson Fury in, in the boxing match, so I mean, all-time greats to me, you, you kind of have to measure both to a certain extent. Well, Rocky Marciano would today would be a cruiserweight. Jack Dempsey would be exactly cruiserweight. Um, it's it's really difficult uh, when you're trying to imagine uh, a Rocky Marciano who's like you know 
190 pounds fighting somebody who, you know, is, is 260 pounds and six foot nine. You know, um, in the I 50s, know a lot of people, he would have had to do that in the 50s, though. Well, yeah, I mean, so, you know, but, you know, a lot, a lot of people, you know, and, and myself included, you know, were, were critical of Mauricio Suleiman with the WBC announcing that there would be a new division called uh, Bridgerweight, you know, the bridge between cruiserweight and heavyweight. And, do, do you and, not believe in the cruiserweight division? I, yeah, I do. I mean, but the fact of the matter is, is let's face it, that since they've had the cruiserweight division, it's been sort of marginalized. Um mm-hmm. And 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 when the reason why Evander Holyfield went up to heavyweight because his last uh, fight at at, at a cruiserweight against Carlos De Leon, he made like one thirtieth, you know, of of what he made for winning one thirtieth or one thirty fifth. Yeah, but, but but we we do we do also. I'm sorry to cut you off, but uh, we do also have boxers like Eddie Chambers that that made the name on themselves off of cruiserweight. I think the or, or BJ Flores, you know. Well, you know, the thing is, if, if cruiserweights are marginalized because everybody says, well, if they were really, you know, all that good that, that, that move up to heavyweight, and which Evander Holyfield did with Yusaka's doing now or something like that, um, there, there's, there's something in my brain that just doesn't resonate that we need to have another weight division with four weight, uh, excuse me, four sanctioning bodies which means four more champions, because uh, if if uh, this thing had, but, takes but off, like uh, Eddie, Eddie Chambers, other, and other organizations are going to add it too. Another weight division uh, with potentially four more champions uh, you know, between cruiserweight and and, uh, and and heavyweight. Some people say, well, okay, well, like we should have heavyweight, but then we should have super heavyweight. Super heavy. you know, yeah. and, and you have it in the Olympics. I don't know. I don't, I don't. I don't know where one division should end and another what begin. What was Butterbean? What was Butterbean? Butterbean. Well, Butterbean was the king of the four rounders. I mean, the thing is, is that I no, think but, Butterbean but, but, more credibility. Like, category they put him. Girl, uh, Larry Holmes, and he did for knocking out a bunch of guys uh, in four rounders who were second and third tier tier heavyweights. He was. He was certainly fun. You know, um, no, no, uh, but I'm saying, what category did they sanctionize him on? Was he super heavy? There was never. No, they didn't super. have a super heavyweight. They had him fighting heavyweight. Yeah. Um, but you know, I mean, and you know, he was, he was. I, I think his last body was over 400. But you know, I think his his the weight probably uh, we most remember him out was in the, probably in about the 320, the 330 pound range. He's a big guy. Not so tall guys, as he was wide. Guys, we're here. We're at the end of our hour. In fact, we've gone over, and I've extended as much as we can. But, uh, Bernard, I really appreciate everything you do uh, for our show, and uh, we really uh, appreciate, uh, I, I, like I said, every night I, I get a chance to do it just a couple more pages because um, I fall asleep fast. But uh, uh, the book <laughs> is just a tremendous book. Um it's very well written, and God, anybody that's a fight fan, even if you're not a fight fan, you really want to um, want to listen to uh, read his book. Uh, Bernard, would you give us a, a, just one more uh, plug for your book? 
Yeah, it's championship rounds. It is an anthology, which means that it's um, um, different stories that, that I've done over like a period of 30, 35 years, um, broken up into sections, heavyweights, non-heavyweights, women boxers, um, tales worth telling, which don't necessarily fit into any easy-to-categorize uh, uh, category. Um, and, uh, you know, I was very pleased that, that uh, on Amazon.com, uh, all the reader reviews, this doesn't happen often, um, but so far everyone that's been posted is, is five stars, so I must have, yep, <laughs> must have done it. something right with it. And for whatever this is worth also is that sometime uh, this year, hopefully in late spring, uh, might might be a little bit later depending upon the publisher, but, you know, um, but there will be a Championship Rounds Volume 2 coming out, you know. So, uh, um, you know, if I'm putting you to sleep with the with the uh, the current book, you know, that'll be another one that you can read at bedtime. <laughs> well, can I, can, I be a, can I be a little selfish and ask for an autograph pop? copy of the book sure um let me i tell you what give let me give you my email address and uh and um well i i'll tell you what no i i've got a, a pen and well, paper the, right the guys on the show guys on the show you guys take care of it, take care of it for me or no yeah I'll take frank care you got a contact just... information yes for jesse yes mm-hmm Okay, uh, call me with it, and I'll, I'll make sure that uh, I try to get something out to him. Okay, that'd be great. All right, uh, well, Jesse, thank you. Oh, and by, and by the way, one of the reasons why I, I think that um, oh, Dustin um, Poirier is going to beat McGregor. Talked about the book a little bit with him. <laughs> I hope so. You know, that was nice. You no. Know. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Great. <laughs> I'm so okay. sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm so okay. sorry. Okay, no problem. Uh, again, uh, Bernard, thank you very much. Uh, we certainly hope that your your son uh, uh, gets better with the the COVID, uh, um, and uh, we'll put him. It, what's his What's his name? We'll have him have my wife put him on the prayer line. Oh, it's it, it's Randall. Um, he's a uh, he's a, a, a he's a law enforcement a, a police lieutenant, and um, you know, they're out dealing with the public, you know, and and. Uh, um, you know, so just yesterday. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> All the beer can, the bottles that go through his house, dude. I, I, I gave them all. Uh, yeah, I um, is he? With, he's not with UPD, is he? No, he's uh, he's uh, he's down in the New Orleans area. You know, with Jefferson Parish oh, Sheriff's okay. Office for New Orleans. Okay, yeah. I'm with uh, Sarasota County. Um. But uh, again, thanks very much. We'll put uh, we'll put him on our prayer line, and uh, uh, he is a brother, so I'll make sure that the guys at the, on our staff uh, also do the same. Um, uh, Z, uh, I know you you battled hard to get on tonight. I kept driving all the way in from North Carolina, and I can't say uh, enough about uh, all you do for the show. So I appreciate that, uh, Bob. Your first interview tonight was over the wall. It was absolutely great. <laughs> we enjoyed it. I hope she enjoyed it. Um, and uh, if you have anybody, uh, any of the other friends from uh, UFC that you want to bring on, please uh, don't hesitate to do it. 
thank you so much. Always a pleasure, guys. And sorry for the few times I cut in there. Uh, I did my mute button. You know what I mean? All right. Love the show. Love our fans. Thank you, guys. All right. Thanks, Clay. Jesse, thanks a lot for everything. And uh, we'll uh, we'll be talking to you in in the very near future. Uh, Z, you want to lead us out? Uh, Absolutely. Another wonderful show. Uh, I want to thank Bob. I want to thank Jesse. Thank you, Bernard. I want to thank you, Butch, all my Fighting Words family. These shows are definitely in memory of Dr. Chris, Bob, and Coach Mel. If anyone wants to hear any Fighting Words, please do call, Butch. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Z. And uh, please say hello to the, the family and say hello to your mom for me. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, these programs, I want to say thank you to everybody that was on. Bernard does a fantastic job. He's did it for years at the at the Daily News in Philadelphia. One of the things I had a chance to read everything single day when I was up there was his column and loved it. Um, uh, I want to thank Jesse for coming on, Bob for coming on, Sierra for coming on, and Z for coming on. Ladies and gentlemen, these programs are brought to you each and every night of the week in grateful appreciation to the men and women of the United States Armed Forces and the men and women of police and fire services, as well as the men and women on the front line First responders. My, my father was my father's a retired NYPD, by the way. One of the appreciate it. Great. Uh, these programs yeah. are dedicated to those who've lost their lives in the line of duty. Deputy Robert Anthony Carroll, oh. David Curtis, Patrolman Jeffrey Colcott, Sergeant Thomas Batinger, Patrolman Jeffrey Yazowitz, Detective Randy Bell, Detective Ricky Childers, San Diego Officer Mike Hendler. Lieutenant Mike Zerber, Newcastle County Police. Patrolman and Awful Crispin, LA, Lakeland, Lakeland PD. Uh, Chief Al Hogle, Long Bouquet Police Department. Chief Jimmy Ford, Wilmington Fire Department. Highway Patrolman Alonzo Moses, Philadelphia Highway Patrol. Highway Patrolman Brian Rosario, Philadelphia Highway Patrol. Highway Patrolman Brian Murphy, Plymouth Township, PA, Highway Patrol. Lieutenant Bob Neary, Philadelphia Fire Department. Sergeant Mike Wilson, Charlotte County Sheriff's Department. Deputy Chief Mike Godwin, Philadelphia Fire Department. Deputy Jonathan Scott Pine, Orange County Sheriff's Department. Uh, Patrolman Robert Germain, Windermere, Florida Police Department. Uh, Trooper Chelsea Richards, Florida Highway Patrol. Lieutenant Joyce Craig Lewis, Philadelphia Fire Department. Patrolman Charlie Condit, Tarpon Springs Police Department. Hillsborough Deputy Sheriff Charlie Cutloff. Sergeant James O'Connor, Philadelphia Police Department. Sergeant Rodney Bond, Delaware State Police. Captain Chris Leach, Wilmington Fire Department. Lieutenant Jerry Ficus, Wilmington Fire Department. Lieutenant Artith Hope, Wilmington Fire Department. FDLE Special Inspector Vinny Galaccio, Delaware State Trooper Corporal Stephen Ballard. Kissimmee Patrol Officer Matt. Kissimmee Sergeant Sam Howard. Captain Matt Letourneau, Philadelphia Fire Department. Deputy Bill Gentry, Island County Sheriff's Department. Deputy Clay Zerba, Clay County Sheriff's Department. Deputy Natalie Corona, L.A. County Sheriff's Department. Deputy April Rodriguez, Pasco County Police Sheriff's Department. Uh, Officer Bob McKetchen of Biloxi, Kentucky Police Department. Trooper, Trooper Joe Bullock, Florida Highway Patrol. My brothers and sisters, although you may be dead, this, you may not. My brothers and sisters, though you, you may be 10-7 at this point in time, and sometime we'll be 10-10 at the table of the Lord. Until that time, may the rose rise up to meet you. May the words be always at your back. 
May the rains fall softly on your fields, sunshine lightly on your face. Until we meet again, may the good Lord keep you and your families always in the hallow of his hand. Good night, God bless, and have a great week.
night, Bob. We miss you. Good night, Mel. Good night, Chris.